I feel like we need a really good we need a really good intro song for this week. And for the fifth consecutive season, the Liberty Flames have won the national championship. There's a new king of the mountain in men's division two, and that king is the UMass Minutemen. A dominant victory in a perfect season. The first championship for Sioux College. The Cougars are victorious in 2023. They have avenged last year's defeat. Binghamton University are AAU national champions. They were the number one seed coming into this tournament, and now they will go home back to Rochester as champions of the American division in AAU college hockey. Michigan has slayed the dragon. They have beaten hope. And for the first time, they have won a national championship. Back at center and in 2023, it's sweet redemption. The Minot State Beavers are ACHA national champions. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 93, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, as we bring you all the latest news from the ACHA and AAU College Hockey National Championships. It has been 27 days since we last got behind the microphone, the longest stretch since we started doing this operation back in September of 2020. A well-needed break for the fellows after trips to Westchester and Marlboro, a marathon of college hockey 12 days straight of national championship content from Westchester to Marlboro. Plenty to recap this episode before we get to everybody. I want to throw it over to Glick. Glick, you didn't get the chance to hop on the Natty preview episode. It's been a while since we talked to you. How have things been going at Temple? Probably the biggest thing that's happened so far is I played my final college hockey game ever. Uh, we went down to Annapolis for the ECHA playoffs and we lost in the first round to the eventual uh, Westchester team who ended up winning the entire tournament and you know I'm still just coming to grips with the fact that my college career and hockey career is over but we're not here to talk about that we're here to talk about natties which I'm really excited to talk about well that's a good segue mentioning that Westchester won the ECHA because we'll just throw it right over to Collins because I'm sure he doesn't mind talking about that anymore got to give you a huge shout out absolutely killed it with the video stuff I mean that was a game changer for us both in Westchester and in Marlboro how are the forearms feeling after holding the camera for that many days in a row it wasn't the forearms that were killing me the entire time it was back it was like my traps that were killing me i hit arms plenty but i just don't hit back enough so we're gonna we're gonna work on that in the off season and uh we're just going to look to getting stronger back. So we're uh, we're able to go 12 days straight of holding a camera. It's, it's been an absolute grind since since we got back. I've been sifting through nearly 10 hours of footage and then probably around 2,000 photos and then tons of scorework. We're at this like kind of weird point now. It's not quite golf season yet. It's There's nothing really else going on other than watching baseball. And you have so much free time that you have no clue with what to do with yourself anymore. And I'm trying to find things to do. That's pretty much what I've been up to, just kind of doing work and finding something else to do besides thinking about hockey. You should come up to Syracuse and uh, be my assistant and tackle some of my schoolwork because I wish I had too much free time on, on my hands right now. So maybe you got to make the weekend trip up here soon. I'll definitely consider it at some point when uh, when schoolwork frees up a bit. You got to come up and do some of my advertising work so you can throw that on your resume that you did uh, some Syracuse ad work. Yeah, that, that would be huge so I could try and get an internship. 
as you know, aside from the 50 I've applied to and only gotten two responses. One guy who's not applying to internships right now because he's been doing the full-time gig since he got back from Marlboro, uh, living his best life in Utica. David Herman, how are things? Uh, what do they call Utica? What city is that? It's not like, like Buffalo's the queen city. They call Binghamton the carousel city. Does Utica have a nickname? So Google says it's the handshake city. I don't know why. I don't know. What is free time anyway? I am not familiar with that concept. 35 games that I shot at Nationals, roughly 5,000 edited photos that came out of that entire experience in Marlboro. Plenty more that never even saw the light of day. It was insane. We're, we're heading into playoffs right now for the Comets and UCFC. It is a very, very busy time here in Utica, and we're all kind of strapping in for it. I spent the weekend in Buffalo. My younger brother, Robbie, he and his U16 New England Wolves team played in the USA Hockey Tier 2 National Tournament. Uh, got to see Devin Levi's first career start, which was really cool. Uh, the hype in that building was, was pretty nuts. Um, I'm 2-0 and against the Rangers in visiting NHL arenas now, so I can add that one to my resume. Uh, if you guys remember last year when we went down to St. Louis, Herm and I caught the Blues-Rangers game, so if anyone needs the Rangers to lose in the future, just please invite me to a game. But it really cool to be at U16 National Tournament for USA Hockey. I was talking with my brother and his friends. like They had a lot of questions about the ACHA and, and AAU college hockey and everything with the hockey house. And to hear 15 and 16-year-old kids asking questions about club hockey was really cool because I don't think I figured out what this was until I was 17 or 18. So the fact that there's kids now considering those options was really cool to me. And to see it firsthand was awesome. And they had a great time in Buffalo. But yeah, getting back to the real world has been a tough adjustment when you spend as much time as we did in the rank during the national tournaments it's hard to go back to regular life but we are here to break down everything all the action covered for you i mean seven national champions were crowned over the spring break whether you were in marlboro westchester bermuda punta cana wherever you caught the hockey house feed on your spring break kind of recap it all going through we're gonna do it by league but i don't know if that does it justice so we're gonna break it down by day and we'll start with day one collins and i we went to westchester the, the first morning on march 10th and uh we went to the aau college hockey national championships and so if you're listening to this and you say what the heck is aau college hockey we're here to fix that for you so the chf first began playing 2019 as a competitor to the acha team a bunch of teams left the acha they started their own league it is run by aau competitor to usa hockey as well this league is mostly on the east coast a lot of teams in the northeast a lot of teams in new york and then college hockey south and teams in the mid-atlantic as well they have been converging in westchester for the federation cup for since 2020 uh they didn't finish the 2020 tournament because of the pandemic they handed out the first fed cup last season this year the league announced back in january that college hockey federation otherwise known as the chf they would soft launch a new name the announcement was made official with a press release in february and the league used the national tournament to hard launch this name and so they have rebranded to aau college hockey the first ever aau college hockey national championship was what was going on in westchester and collins and i like i mentioned boots on the ground day one nothing but fine hospitality from the folks at aau college hockey we were welcomed in with open arms Collins had been there the previous year for the Fed Cup right away, recognized some familiar faces, and they just brought us in. They got us the passes. They gave us the hoodies. They decked us out. Plenty of bio steel to go around all weekend long, and so there was plenty of that on the first day as well. Really cool setting to just kind of, you know, it felt right at home. Everybody was introducing themselves, shaking hands, 
so many names to remember with Collins. I just like right away when we walked in, it was like, all right, this is going to be a fun weekend. Yeah, just the atmosphere there was amazing. I mean, they did such a good job. And you go to some tournaments and, you know, they're super uptight, tense, and everybody's so dialed. But they did a really good job at making this a place you wanted to be. It was just extremely fun. Everybody there was, you know, extremely welcoming and extremely kind. I know you mentioned the BioSteel. That, I think, was the biggest play of the entire tournament. That was awesome. I think we went through probably like two cases. Absolutely love what they're doing over there uh, at AAU. Really bringing some fresh perspective into uh, the college hockey world. So some takeaways from day one. Hot start on rink one. Uh, They had an ice issue in the first period of Babson in Tennessee. They brought out all kinds of things to fix the ice. I think at one point they weren't blowing smoke. What do you even call what they were doing, Colin? They were using the fire extinguisher to like freeze it. I don't know what what it was, but it was it was weird. So we had that shot on day one. Mass Maritime showed up in a new set of jerseys that I hadn't seen before from Envious Gamewear. I wanted to give a shout out because as we're settling in, they're playing against Georgia. We're sitting on the glass. We're talking about the new jerseys. The mom next to us is like, oh, I had to sew the letters on their jerseys last night. And we were like, what? She was like, yeah, my son is one of the captains on the team. The jerseys came in just in time for nationals. They didn't have letters on them for the captains. So I don't know if she had them. The team had them. Some C's and A's. Mass Maritime is right right near Cape Cod in Massachusetts. And so what they did was they ran out of letters. One of the kids had an A that was maroon because Falmouth is the local high school team and her son played at Falmouth High. They sewed an a, a maroon A on one of the jerseys. So we're looking at it like, what the heck are they doing? But it was nice. Like she had a funny story. Like that is like the definition of club hockey right there. Moms sewing captaincy letters on the jerseys the night before the national tournament. So I wanted to give her a shout out for that. The jerseys look great. Unfortunately, uh, it was a lot of UGA. It was a close game though to start, but UGA just kind of opened things up in that third period. Auburn shocked the world and beat Ramapo with a very shorthanded roster on day one. We were speaking with Noah Henry, former guest of the show. You know, they had guys who already had plans for spring break and, you know, had family stuff so they couldn't go. And they brought a shorthanded roster. Weren't even sure if they were going to make the trip to Westchester. They showed up and they beat Ramapo on the first day and really played spoiler. They look great doing it. Big wins for Embry-Riddle and Harrisburg to kick off the tournament. Like we mentioned on the last episode, the pool of death. It really was the pool of death because all four teams tied on the first day Fordham and Liberty went toe-to-toe want to give a shout out to goalie Dan Gertz played out of his mind 41 saves on 43 shots to keep the score 3-3 between Liberty and Fordham they went to overtime and then tied after overtime Dan Gertz he got the player of the day, the inaugural Hockey House player of the day. We gave a hat out each day of the tournament to an outstanding player. He got it on day one. Looking down the road, that might have been a bad call because I think the guys who got the hats ended up losing the next day, the first couple times around. So we had to save them in our back pocket for later. South Carolina and Bama, the two other teams in the pool, they played. They went head-to-head in a gorgeous tilt on rink two in Westchester, and they also tied. So every team had a tie in the standings, and you just knew it was going to be a really good tournament, and it was a really good start to the tournament as well. Herm, I'm not sure if how much you got to catch from day one when we were in Westchester. Herm, were there any takeaways from an outside perspective uh, after day one? No, it was just really great to see some of the underdogs like Erao and, and Penn State Harrisburg that I had picked putting on strong showings just to start it all off. It was really, really 
cool to see. And day one, we got to check out too. They had the uh, trophies uh, on display in the lobby. Gorgeous, gorgeous trophies that they were, I believe they were 3D printed. Uh, acrylic trophies were really cool. Cool for them to display on the first day of tournament. So we had to check those out. Heading into day two, I'm calling this one the recovery day. Collins and I were on our feet basically all day long. And that first day you spend in a rink, uh, you forget how hard it is. We got back to the hotel that night and Collins got back to Villanova. We had Wawa in our system. And, you know, day two, it was, we knew what to expect during day two. I think day two flew by. The American division pool play got underway. If you don't know, national division was AAU's division two. American was their quote unquote division three. In D3 action, a thin roster New Haven team, they gave you Tampa a run for their money, but the Spartans remained undefeated with a six to four win, keeping their undefeated streak alive. Then Bama defeated Liberty 5-1 in a game that was a lot closer than the score showed. Collins, this game was kind of a gong show. I know you did like a, a, a video recap of this one, but I think you'd agree it was fast paced back and forth and the fact that Bama came out on top of this one 5-1 was kind of surprising yeah it definitely didn't feel like a 5-1 game the the physicality from both teams uh was was really there I believe the the shot totals were pretty similar as well it was a very close game I think it was just a bit of luck and maybe a little bit of goaltending but that score sheet does not really represent what happened that game both teams looked really really good and kind of looking back at it any of these teams could have won that pool it was a really really tight group it was also a, a really really bad day to be a water bottle uh we had a couple of water bottle pops on this one it started with fairfield forward ned malepsi he sent a bottle flying in fairfield's win over Cortland. just a classic one you know hits the back of the net really hard bottle goes up in the air flying off the top of the net made for a really good post but then i think i was on rink one and i walked over to rink two and as soon as i get in there tampa's playing auburn they win the puck back off of the face off you know me i'm behind the net i'm trying to get the you know the instagram story stuff because the puck had just dropped i completely missed this one puck goes back to the defenseman Dylan Murtaugh rifles a shot. It hits the Gatorade cap, shatters the cap. Bottle goes flying so high up in the air that there was water on the back of the glass behind the net. It was the most impressive water bottle popper I've ever seen. And not only that, shattered the cap, water everywhere. Everybody's jaws dropped in the rink. And we immediately ran back to go see the feed from Black Dog. Awesome clip. But other than that, day two was pretty quiet, kind of in these pool play tournaments. Everyone's still kind of feeling each other out. The games don't mean as much until you get to day three. Day three was when all hell broke loose in Westchester. Very, very inconvenient start. Final day of pool play for the National Division Collins and I wake up. We spent so much time editing the night before. We set our alarms trying to get up and we were like, all right, Bama and Fordham play at 8 a.m. Like, can we get to this game at 8 a.m.? We're, we're eating breakfast at 745. We're a little behind. We look down. We're watching the game on our phone. It's 805 and Black Dog has a message up that this game has been canceled. This game is not happening. You can see Bama players in their practice jerseys in the background of this video. We get there and we're like, what What? What must have happened? Obviously, the tournament officials are in distress. They're trying to figure out what to do. Long story short, Fordham forfeited the game. They didn't have enough players to play. They had two goalies that were sick. Rumor has it it was the stomach bug that got the Fordham Rams that day. And so they couldn't play. In their defense, it's probably a good thing that this game didn't happen. As big of a bummer it was that this national tournament game couldn't be played. Do you forfeit the game or do you make a team play where they're 
heavily shorthanded and then Bama runs up the score because then that affects the rest of pool play. The tournament officials sat together. You know, they talked with both teams, Alabama and South Carolina, because South Carolina has to play Liberty later today and it's going to come down to goal differential. Right now, this game sits as a one nothing forfeit win for Alabama. And so they went over a couple of scenarios and the South Carolina team met and they decided that they were going to play straight up. They were going to play Liberty. If Liberty scored, there's a couple different scenarios. It basically came down to if Liberty scored two goals, it would eliminate South Carolina and Alabama would advance. So going into this game, South Carolina knows they have to win and they can't let up two goals. Sure enough, first shift, Liberty scores. You could just see the wind taken out of the South Carolina sails. South Carolina comes back, scores. And at this point, the entire Alabama team has positioned themselves behind the South Carolina net, and they are rowdy. It is like you would have thought it was the Minnesota High School State Tournament with the student section they had going behind the net here. And sure enough, Luke Basir scores for Liberty. It is the nail in the coffin for the Gamecocks, and the place went bananas. Liberty, I think, goes up three to one in this first period, and they come off the ice like a a walk off in baseball. As the Liberty players are coming off the ice, the Alabama guys are swarming them, jumping up and down. Collins and I were just trying to process this whole thing. We'll get to it in a minute, but there were other really good games going on. So we were editing back in the office, and by the time we caught up to this game, this game was already over. A wild scenario. Yeah, it was it was really weird. I remember Kyle, the the CHS commissioner before the game rattling off every single scenario. And it was like the yeah, the Liberty scores two goals or but somehow if South Carolina wins three to one, they move on or if they have a shutout, they move on. I got so wrapped up in the scenarios that I completely forgot that, oh, South Carolina is not moving on. It was wild. There was just so much going on that day. Immediately after we had another do or die game and I'll let you take it away. I want to give credit to the Cox because to go through that, it's unfortunate. They haven't lost yet in nationals and they know they've been eliminated. They go down I think three to one. And I, I said it earlier, but I think it was three to one at the end of the first. They rally back and I think they end up winning five, four in overtime. They could have packed it in. They could have gooned it up. That game did get chippy because at that point, both teams were eliminated, but they stuck to it. They got the win in overtime. And, and you know, it stinks when you win and that's your last game of the season. And you're not moving on. But I liked at least they competed till the end. And, and it did stink to, to see a team who didn't lose a game at nationals go home like that. Like you mentioned, Collins, plenty of other do or die games. We'll start with Binghamton and Babson, two teams that were 2-0 and in their pool facing off on rink four in Westchester, the meat locker, as Collins refers to it as. Binghamton versus Babson, two teams that met the previous year in the Federation Cup final. Babson looking to defend their title, Binghamton looking for revenge. Binghamton ties the game up at one late in the third period to send it to overtime. If the two teams tie at the end of 10 minutes in overtime, Binghamton advances. So as overtime goes on, Babson is looking to pull the goalie. With a minute left, goalie comes out, turnover in the neutral zone, Binghamton ices it with an empty netter, and the Bearcats go bananas. This isn't the first time that something like this will pop up during the show because this is just the chaos that comes with pool play. Babson defending national champions, and they're eliminated on an empty netter in overtime, which... I think it was a real bummer for them. And Binghamton, as we saw, it it paid off for them. Then Collins and I sprinted over because St. Bonaventure and Georgia were going to overtime. The number one seed in the tournament versus number 16, Georgia. And Georgia, that's a low 16 seed. I mean, Georgia was arguably a, a top five team in the tournament, I would say. Maybe five might be generous, but definitely a top 10 team in this tournament. And so St. Bonaventure had their hands full. 
UGA actually jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Bonnie's tied up at two heading into the third period, scoreless in the third. And then UGA freshman Evan Parente scores in overtime to send rink two in a frenzy. Collins, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but before Georgia scored in overtime, the Bonnies were like starting to signal to their goalie that they were going to have to pull the goalie if it came down to it, right? I can't remember which team it was, but one of the teams was going to have to pull their goalie, a similar situation. And then it didn't matter because Georgia scored. What a scene it was in rink two when that puck found the back of the net. Yeah, it was it was wild. Looking back at the footage from that period, as soon as we booked it over from the Binghamton game, I wouldn't say I was nervous. I had really shaky hands. Maybe it was the fact that my back was super sore, or it was the fact that I was so excited because there was going to be either way a great highlight that was going to make its way onto Instagram. Actually, no, I was nervous. I was worried I was going to miss it and accidentally not hit record because that happened multiple times where I thought I was recording and I actually wasn't. It was just an electric scene. I think the number one seed is cursed because this is the second year in a row the number one seed hasn't made it out of pool play the the format 32 teams and you get one number one seed eight different pools there are a couple pools where the one seed didn't move on but a crazy day for hockey and it it didn't stop there farmingdale and delaware then faced off the teams had played each other three times during the regular season farmingdale winning one delaware winning one and then they tied so this was really the grudge match here in the national tournament winner moves on from the pool the rams took care of business this one ended we we didn't really get to catch much of this one but we did catch the tail end scrum at the end of the game Farmingdale comes off the bench to celebrate there's a Delaware player in the middle of the pile a situation that could have been a lot worse I thought was handled very well by the officials when when you win to advance in a tournament you don't want to see anybody get suspended or anything like that tensions were running high a grudge match came down to the wire and uh, it was the Rams advancing and then to end the night we had FAU versus Buffalo heading into the game FAU, all they had to do was not lose by three goals. What does Buffalo do? They jump out to a 3 nothing lead in the first period. You, you couldn't write the script any better if you tried. And then basically... The game gets to four to one. It was insane because the game felt like a one goal game because all FAU needed was to score one goal. And they spent the whole third period uh, hemming the Buffalo team in the defensive zone and they just couldn't buy a goal. The time ran out and Buffalo advanced, but it was bizarre when you get into these pool play scenarios and teams know ahead of time what they need to do to advance. And Collins and I were talking like, what mental warfare does that do to these teams when they go into a hockey game and they know they need a specific outcome versus versus hey just go out there and and win the hockey game yeah I feel like it's a little bit unfair to players I've never been a fan of of pool play tournaments I've always kind of hated them because on day three it always comes down at least in my mind as a goalie I get so fixated on the numbers I've kind of always been that way I I always kind of hate playing in rinks where you know they have the, the shots and I'm always busy trying to calculate what my save percentage is like oh that's not good enough and and you get in your own head and you just start spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and then next thing you know you're like oh shit I'm not really playing I'm just so focused on something else so I cannot imagine what it's like in you know a national tournament going through that it's definitely definitely got to be a tough experience I wish there was a way to fix it but when you have this many teams at a tournament uh, you can't really do that so I've always liked the bracket play stuff more I feel really bad for every player that had to go through that because especially like we, we saw it with South Carolina like as soon as that second goal went in they were just deflated and they were like well the season's over but I mean again props to them they, they found a reason to play and, and finish out the season with a win we mentioned the style of the bracket and we can kind of touch on that now I think a lot of people are were confused why 
AAU college hockey has 32 teams go to their national tournament. And the the solution, the reason behind that is actually because they don't do any regional tournaments. So instead of teams fundraising to go to regionals and then eventually go to nationals or their conference tournament and then to nationals, the AAU would rather send more teams to nationals and have less teams having to pay for a regional tournament. And so that's where you get kind of this World Cup style where there's 32 teams competing for one trophy. Unfortunately, you can't do a bracket with 32 teams because then somebody's playing one game and then going home. But one thing that they did talk about maybe for doing in the future was kind of like I mentioned World Cup style where the games go on at the same time so that way one team doesn't have an advantage going on to the game of knowing you know what they need to do to advance if you play the games going on at the same time then you don't have that problem so maybe that's something they look into doing in, in the future because I feel I, I just I know the pools are set up the same way with ACHA and AAU but it feels like it was a little more prominent in the AAU tournament I think there was a little more chaos in those pool plays. Heading into day four, uh, I call this the day plenty of parking because we went from 32 teams down to eight, a lot more spots available in Westchester. Final day of pool play for the American division. James Witherwright's in the building. He's on the tunes. He's on the microphone. He's doing it all. Great to have him. The magic, though, did not last long for Buffalo. They took care of FAU. The next morning, they got to play Binghamton, who's on fire. Binghamton sends them home with a decisive 9-2 to win. Fairfield defeats Farmingdale, and then all all that drama for nothing. Niagara defeats Alabama 3-2 to two to advance to the semis. After everything we went through in the pool of death, it was the team that won the pool of death that lost in, in the quarterfinals. And Niagara had a really good team. And I think Bama kind of had that, that off day of rest because they didn't play because of the Fordham forfeit. I wonder if that factored into this. You'd think in any tournament like this, if you get that unexpected day of rest, that it would help you. But I don't know. Maybe it just helps to keep the legs moving. Silky penalty shot by Ethan Knopf to start off the game. I I think he had one on the it was early in the first period it might have been the first or second shift of the game which I feel like you don't really see that happen and then you had Tampa taking care of the dogs a, a meeting a rematch of the CHS semifinals earlier in the year UGA was up by a goal late in the game had the chance to knock off Tampa and give them their first loss of the year they weren't able to seal the deal they got their revenge though they met up with Tampa in the quarterfinals and it was a really chippy game highlighted by Nico Evangelist the defenseman for Tampa he's in the penalty box serving his penalty it's late in the third period the dogs are, are looking for a goal to tie things up power play is coming to an end you can hear the goalie banging a stick on the other end the Georgia player winds up rips one top right it misses the net rims all the way around the glass goes to Nico Evangelist the defenseman shows off the skills on the breakaway Deacon the goalie out of the crease Tampa the insurance goal and they beat the dogs and they let them know it Collins you were there it was really chaotic after the game, and I don't even know if they shook hands after that one, but a lot of shouting. They sent the players off. Tension's high. It's the national cha- national tournament. Teams aren't happy when they're getting eliminated. The happiness wouldn't last long for the U-Tampa Spartans. Day four, AAU semifinals for the American and National Division. The happiness didn't last long for the Spartans, though. Day five, AAU semifinals in both the American and National Divisions, and it was a tough day to be a Spartan after combining for a record of 59-0. and Heading into their respective semifinal matchups, both U-Tampa teams were sent packing. After losing to Babson in the Fed Cup the year before, the Bearcats, they were not going to be intimidated by this Tampa team. They were on a mission. They were using the Hockey House pod as bulletin board material, and they struck first, scored one in the first, they scored one in the second, and then they scored two early in that third. Four nothing. I'm on Twitter. I'm live tweeting the game. No, Tampa, I think Binghamton scored with about eight minutes left. I get the video. I'm about to tweet, they're dancing in the streets of Binghamton. Bearcats lead 4-0. As I hit send on this tweet, 
Tampa scores to make it four to one with five minutes to go. And as a Bruins fan, I know, hey, four one with five minutes to go. Where they're in good shape here. This game is not over. I screenshotted the tweet and sent it to Collins and Herm as proof that this tweet did go out there. As soon as I sent the text to them, it's now four to two Tampa, and I'm like, oh my gosh, did I just mush? the Binghamton Bearcats out of this tournament. The One of the best defensemen for Tampa, he served a 10-minute after Binghamton went up 3-0, and the wheels were coming off the wagon for Tampa, but they scored two, and they got two minutes to go. Binghamton is able to kill this thing off, though. They hold on and get the 4-2 to win, and they hand Tampa their first loss of the season. All tournament long, people were talking about how good Tampa is, how good Tampa is, and I just think Binghamton didn't care at all. Binghamton was on a mission. They were just like, hey, Tampa's the team we got to beat if we want to go back to the national championship game. And they played a perfect game. I really don't think nobody had locked down Tampa like that and been able to put the puck in the back of the net at the same time. And just an an outstanding game in the semifinals. And then you walk over to rink three where the other semifinals were heading, were going on. And Farmingdale is just beating the wheels off of Tampa's D3 team. Final score was seven to three in this one. Got a little chippy at the end here. Tampa goalie with the game out of hand tried to drop the gloves and start a goalie fight. Farmingdale goalie wasn't having any of that, just laughing them off. The Rams, they hand Tampa their first loss of the season too. It was just a wild display. You know, we, we talked about it earlier in the national preview episode, but Tampa was the favorite last year and they couldn't get it done against Christopher Newport. They ran into a, a very strong, disciplined Binghamton team and then that Farmingdale, Farmingdale D3 team I think they caught you Tampa off guard in this one as well. We uh, had a couple more semifinal games. Fairfield held on to defeat Niagara in a nail biter. They were up two nothing really late in the game. Purple Eagles scored with a minute and 10 left to bring it within one. A textbook final minute of the period by the Fairfield Stags. They were blocking shots. They were getting big saves from their goalie. They did everything but clear the puck. And it was just, it was, John Tortorella was probably foaming at the mouth watching this defensive structure by the Fairfield Stags. They held on to defeat Niagara 2-1 to advance to the national championship game. And then over back on rink three, we had the American Division semifinal, number one St. John Fisher continue their dominance and they defeated Widener to clinch a spot in the American division final Herm Widener, a great showing by these boys at the national tournament. You talked to them a little bit beforehand and they were kind of just excited to be there. And they actually lost their first game of the tournament. I talked to their coach after the next day because they turned it around and they won two games in a row. And he said, I think we were just happy to be here. He goes, once we got here and the guys saw the competition, they said, we can skate with these teams. And they showed it. You know, they put up a good fight against the St. John Fisher team. That was really good. The Widener boys were awesome to me the whole tournament first off I was hyping them up as they were going on and racking up wins I was rooting for them to go all the way with my prediction that I had made in the preview episode they took that and ran with it and I was rocking with the right I was rocking with the Widener boys and they were rocking with me so for the upcoming season if you want to send me any Widener merch or anything like that I'm wearing that all around Utica it was so so cool to see you guys make that that Cinderella run in the tournament Herm, if you come down to, to Philly, you can hang with, with Glick and I and we'll take you to Widener. I got to say, the I mean, having when I was shooting the uh, the Widener uh, Farmingdale game and uh, I was shooting from the Widener bench and the, and the Widener coach saw my uh, my Villanova hat. He's like, oh, we got to show these these New York kids that Philly does it better. They were they were awesome. And I mean, they were they were just having so much fun. I think that's, you know, when a team plays best. So I'm glad they made it out. And uh, it may, makes me happy to be a semi. Philadelphian. I think 
Glick will have an issue with that, but yeah. Yeah, I think Villanova is not a Philly school, but that's just my opinion. Agree to disagree. Well, I think we can agree on one thing because I'm, I'm happy that Andy Sutton from Verbero is at the game. I love the Widener boys. They have a tough colorway to work with for their jerseys. It's a little tough. They got the black jerseys with the dark blue and the yellow. I saw them talking to Andy after a couple of the games. I think they're in the works for some new jerseys for next year. So, her maybe maybe you get a new jersey. They can toss you one of the old ones. But definitely hats off to them. And like like you mentioned, Collins just having fun that's what it's about at the national tournament playing your best hockey and having fun while doing it that brings us to day six of the aau national championships in westchester the sixth and final day for us in the philly area two games left on the ballot we had starting off the american national the american division national championship and there was no denying the saint john fisher cardinals this is a team i'm glad i was able to catch this game because i feel like i didn't get to see enough of them in this tournament just a very very good hockey team they controlled the pace of play right from the start they scored two goals in the final minutes take a three nothing lead into the first intermission and i think that just broke the the straw that broke farmingdale's back right there you can't let up a goal in the last two minutes of a period and you certainly can't let up two of them and uh, that really hurt and the cardinals just never looked back from there winning in convincing fashion by a score of eight to one just crazy we saw farmingdale knocked off tampa with a seven to three win and then the next day they're getting the wheels blown off them by saint john fisher i wonder if the, the momentum farmingdale just had from that semifinal game was just too high and uh, St. John Fisher came to play. Great stuff talking to those guys after the game. They were just psyched. I was talking with my, my friend Johnny Cajola. Uh, I didn't know where St. John Fisher was, but as an upstate New York native, he let me know that it's in Rochester. I guess they have some of the best dining halls in the country is what I've heard. So happy for those boys rocking the Just Dishin jerseys too. Um, if you're familiar with Skate Skins, Just Dishin is the, the company that brought you those too. And I uh, wanted to give them a shout out as well. And then it was on to the big kahuna, the final game in Westchester, the Binghamton Bearcats looking to avenge last year's title loss, taking on the Fairfield Stags, looking to get up to Marlboro. I had to leave a little bit early in this one. A very good game from the start, but Collins, this thing kind of opened up in the third period as soon as I left. Yeah, it was exactly like, you know, when we were sitting in the hotel room and we were watching the, uh, who was it? Uh, I was just going to say, it. this game was exactly like when we were watching. Wisconsin Stevens Point and Augsburg. And Augsburg. Augsburg. It was exactly like that because as soon as Murph went to the bathroom, as soon as he left, they scored. And that's exactly how this game felt. Neck and neck going through the first two periods. And then as soon as he leaves, shit goes crazy. Binghamton and Fairfield just decided they were going to start scoring and really came down to the wire there. And we ended up seeing uh, seeing the bingo boys win. It was uh, it was a really, really good game. Watching like the recap too. one, I want to give a shout out to the guys in front of me at the game. He's rocking a Binghamton Black Bears practice jersey with 69 on the back. And every time Binghamton would score, he just like he looked like he was at a rock concert. He's throwing the peace signs up. Looks like he's at a Grateful Dead concert waving his hands. And it was just electric. Binghamton goes up 3-1 to ahead in the third. And like you said, it turns into that ping pong match going back and forth. Binghamton holds on. Talking in the DMs with those guys after the game, the motivation that they had when when we kind of wrote them off. And I was talking with some of the parents. They had some choice words for us when I was walking by about our predictions and counting the Bearcats out. So was really happy for them to lose in the national championship game the year before and make it all the way back and win the whole thing was awesome. And I wish Fitz was here. He's busy in Binghamton, but I know they got honored at the Binghamton Black Bears game later that week when they got back. And to be honored by their university too was awesome to see. One thing that totally shocked me because 
I hadn't been on the bench with them before. I was I was always just kind of shooting through the glass when I was shooting uh, Binghamton. They don't have you know actual head coaches. I mean that might they might not like that, but um, their coaches are just their buddies. It was wild, and I think part of that you know having your best friends be your coaches might honestly be the move. I mean, it's you're, they're just there to fire you up. It sounded like, too, they had a pretty extensive hockey knowledge. I mean, that team was just an absolute riot, and they, they played so well. So massive props to them. I think it makes it more impressive. Like, you see, you saw how unhinged some of these teams got, and they have full-time coaches behind the bench, full-time adults, like, in charge of them and how disciplined Binghamton was that whole tournament structurally sound too. And the fact that they had, you know, their peers on the bench with them, you know, coaching them, you know, they, I, I got to give what credit one guy, he's rocking a Selly hockey hat and a Binghamton basketball Jersey behind the bench in the national championship game. They're bringing home the gold medal. So it's like to have that, it really shows their love of the game and their commitment to winning too. Like I meant really impressed by the discipline that Binghamton showed and wanted wanted to give them a shout out. Want to also give our stick taps because day six was the conclusion of the AAU tournament. So many people to thank. I want to mention Scott Solomon, Mark Pirowitz, and the entire staff at AAU College Hockey really just opening all the doors for us. Welcoming us in with open arms. Want to give a shout out to Kevin, the photographer from Farmingdale, and the whole media team from Farmingdale who came down and was helping AAU kind of run things on social media and that thing. I think it made a really good experience for the athletes. Want to give a shout out to Tim Turner of MV Gameware. He designed the really snazzy jerseys that Mass Maritime debuted. He supplied us with the AAU college hockey hoodies that we got, and he captured both water bottle popping clips. So I want to make sure we gave Tim a shout out. Staff at Black Dog Hockey was really great to us. Awesome. They, they loved when we were posting their clips and they were helping us out on that end. And also my guys at High Point want to give a shout out. Those guys couldn't buy enough hockey house hats. I had, I had to pry them off of me. They had a great coaching staff, stayed at the same hotel as them. They were great to me all week long, so I want to make sure they give a shout out. Collins, I want you guys, some people too, that are worth mentioning as well. Yeah, you mentioned the uh, the Farmingdale social team, but specifically Rin Shimano at Shimmerin Images on Instagram. Kid's an absolute beauty. He's a hell of a videographer. He was extremely efficient. I mean, like we would get the same clip at the same time, but by the time I made it back to the office to edit on my computer, he already had an edit up on Instagram. It was insane. Or he would just text it to Murph. Really talented kid. Highly recommend going to give him a follow. It was, it was really, really good working with him. Another shout out to uh, Christian Gresco at Gresco Photos on Instagram. I've shot with him a couple of times. He's shot for Villanova before. He's an extremely talented photographer and he's only a sophomore in high school and he's he, he shot Penn State D1 hockey multiple times. He's incredible and you know he's going to go places. Pleasure shooting with him per usual. Um, again, go give him a follow. Next, we got the Tennessee boys. Uh, I shot on the bench with them. That was, I think, the most fun I've ever had shooting on the bench. The boys absolutely loved the camera. We're eating it up. You know, they were extremely funny. Best dressed coaching staff, too. The varsity jackets. uh, The head coach had the mustache and the glasses and, and the Tennessee baseball hat. By far, best dress coaching staff. 100% best dress coaching staff. And then also Kyle from College Hockey South. Absolute beauty as well. Thank you for buying Murph and I dinner. Uh, that was huge. I, I, I wanted to touch on Kyle too because, you know, Collins and I were there together the first couple of days. He had to go back to class for days four and five, but nothing but kind words for Kyle. Now College Hockey South is in really good hands with him as the commissioner moving forward. And just a, a stand-up guy, went to Tennessee, played himself. I think he understands the players really well. And that was something that was really cool to see. 
how he interacted with the different players from around college hockey south really cared about them really pulling for the teams in his conference and unfortunately they were the tampa teams were eliminated um in the semifinals but wanted to make sure we gave him a well-deserved shout out and and thank him for all he did for us. One person we'd, we'd obviously like to thank is Optimex Sports. They make this whole thing possible. They provide teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites. And the best part is easily accessible for players. What you can do, make changes within your website, update it in real time, and they make it very easy. If you're trying to get your domain figured out, they can do that as well. A major problem, especially this time of year, is Guys graduate, they have the password of the website, they have access. Optimax puts everything in one space for you, makes it really easy to start your team website, to manage your team website, and to grow your team website. You can do things like sell tickets, sell merchandise, fundraise, pay dues, all that stuff. They're working on apparel stuff, team stores, all of that can be found at OptumX. Head to OptumXSports.com slash signup slash hockey house pod to learn more. And with that, we'll take a quick breather. And we will come back with all things ACHA to wrap up the show. All right, next we're going to dive into the ACHA tournament that was in Marlboro, Massachusetts. I drove up on Wednesday night, got into Marlboro, settled in my hotel, and then we went to the rink for day seven in a row of club hockey action. For me, it was kind of just like getting right back on the horse. Herm, it was your first day, you know, after you pulled into Marlboro. How did you get adjusted? What was it like walking in? You know, obviously the ACHA rolled out the red carpet for us as well. Uh, We got the jackets right away. Kind of overwhelming to start with all all the action going on at the New England Sports Center. It was kind of surreal. I did not wear my hockey house hoodie the first day, and I think it was no less than like seven people stopped me and were like, are you David Herman? And I was like, yes. It was it was surreal to have these conversations with people, some that I knew, some that I didn't, and it was it was awesome. Yeah, it was really, really fun. I didn't even know this was happening, but Rassie McGibbon, who does communication stuff for the ACHA, he had his show set up in the lobby and uh, I jumped on that being there for like a half hour. So that was awesome to do right away and kind of settle in. And I think day one is always the toughest because you have to figure out how to get from each rink, uh, the flow of things, how it works. You got to get your body used to being in the cold for that long. These jackets though were were pretty warm. It it was nice to throw those over the hoodies and and be good to go. I think the story of day one though, for me was the blowouts we saw. Buffalo in division one men's action, Buffalo jumped out to a two nothing lead. And it was like, Oh, this, the, the, the 20 seed might pull something off here. Like watch out for the boys from Buffalo. Grand Valley state was having none of that scored a bunch of goals in a row. They had two goals in a span of 31 seconds to take a three, two lead. They ended up cruising to an eight to three victory. Thanks to a hat trick from Nick Summerfield. He scored the third goal to give them a six, three lead shorthanded on a breakaway. The Lakers were, were off and rolling. Then we go to the next game. Calvin, they beat Navy five, nothing. Thing, which this game didn't really feel like five nothing but it also didn't really feel like navy was ever going to be in the driver's seat of this one they were kind of just waiting for a chance to break the ice and it, it never came against calvin but i did want to give a shout out navy fans they traveled very well lots of fans with jerseys in the stands always really cool to see w- when that happens illinois state this was as tyler cool said i think the closest 9-1 hockey game he's ever seen at the end of the third period at the end of the second period illinois state scored a beautiful tic-tac-toe goal that we threw up on the instagram to make it three nothing end of two the final score was nine to one six third period goals by illinois state to beat iup iup fans were not having it there were some rowdy illinois state fans and some rowdy iup fans and 
some people sneaking beverages into rink one in Marlboro. And uh, luckily everything was under control, but this game was really close for a while. And then it just got broken open in that third period by Illinois state. Then the last game of the night on rink one Dearborn Lawrence tech, we actually got the first upset of the tournament, although it was the 17 seeded Wolverines of Michigan Dearborn taking on number 16 Lawrence Tech. We stepped up, Herm and I, you know, threw on our Dearborn hats and helped them with the social media for the night because they weren't able to have their team travel and they they do great work during the regular season. So we were more than happy to chip in and help there. But we were quickly one and oh as the Michigan Dearborn media team, and uh we enjoyed that. In men's division three, there was uh pool play was kicking off Grand Valley State, Dominic Stankowitz, friend of the pod. He got a shutout against Purdue, 6-0 win for the Lakers in D3 action. Mizzou and Air Force had a barn burner that went toe-to-toe. Tigers won 7-5. They added an empty netter on rank 5. Shout-out to number 15, Jack Hazleton on Mizzou. He dyed his hair tiger print for the national tournament. Glick, I know you weren't there for it, but this was kind of one of our more popular social media posts. Did you get a chance to see the haircut on this kid? Oh my god, now I remember it. That is electric. I love how he didn't even go with like the classic or and black he went with like the kind of teal stripe and i think like, i mean that is that is college club hockey in in one photograph right there that is just asha personified unreal style totally for the boys moment and uh mizzou jumped out to a, a 2-0 run in pool play uh which was really cool to see the boys were buzzing definitely max schick got on the score sheet for hope college he got a goalie assist that we posted to unbelievable pass to the far blue line love to see that they steamrolled Central Michigan 7-2. In women's Division One, we had some action. Maryville got started with a 2-0 win over ASU. Mackenzie Adley got the shutout as Indiana Tech defeated McKendry. And then in women's Division Two, a tale of the one seeds, number four Northeastern, kicked off their Cinderella run with a 2-1 upset win over number one seed Assumption College. And then number four Niagara defeated Weiss, the Villanova women's team, 3-2. They were the other top seed. On the opposite side, you had number one seed Assiniboine beating Michigan state 10 nothing and then sue beating rowan six to one so two of the top seeds had really fun days the other two did not have fun starts to the tournament forgot to mention it though but in men's division three action arkansas and florida gulf coast before the game they played the canadian national anthem just an all-time marlboro moment Arkansas, I guess, being more north than Florida Gulf Coast. So they they played the I don't I don't know. I, I have no excuse for that one. I was on the bench with the Arkansas guys. Or I should say adjacent to the bench in the penalty box. And I don't remember who I was looking at, like as this was going on, and we were like, What? They had the opportunity to pause it at so many points. And they just didn't. They went the whole way through and then straight into the American National. I, I don't know. It was bizarre. We got to check the rosters on that one. At rough guess. Maybe three Canadians. Maybe. Overall, a very good day. We got our feet wet. It was really good to be there. Day eight of hockey. Day two in Marlboro. St. Patrick's Day. Just a gong show of a day. This day was wild. You knew being in the Boston area on St. Patrick's Day that there was going to be a, a pot of gold of hockey here. We'll start things off. You bring the bagpipes. We'll bring the dub the boys from purdue had to watch as their in-state rival the number two seeded in the whole tournament notre dame fighting irish brought in a piper a guy to play the bagpipes and play scotland the brave as they came out into the ice what did purdue do they spoiled the saint patrick's day party shut out the irish two to nothing we put up a poll on the story notre dame wearing green unis on saint patrick's day like ultimate lock I want to say 85% were riding with Notre Dame money line. Purdue just spoiled the party. That is going to be a win that those guys remember for the rest of their lives because this win 
for Purdue came back to bite Notre Dame on the final day of pool play. Really cool, though. I mean, Collins was right there with the camera. Really cool experience, though, here in Scotland, the Brave in person when the Notre Dame fighting Irish take to the ice. Yeah, it was it was really cool. The lacrosse team does it. I mean, pretty much every Notre Dame sport does that at some point. It was really cool to see, even though I was fighting, you know, like three hours of sleep after driving like 100 miles an hour through Mass the night before. It made it worth it. And that's, I think, my favorite memory from the trip by far. Earlier in the day on rink one, UNLV trailed Grand Valley State three to one in the third period. They were able to come back and tie things up, send the game to overtime where Rob McCollum scored off a shot from the point at first look looked like it might have been a high stick in front of the net they went and reviewed it across the ice at rink one came back the UNLV player actually didn't touch it in front of the net. if he had it probably would have been a high stick but he didn't touch it the goal stands UNLV comes all the way back to defeat Grand Valley State and survive potential upset we had more overtime action on rink two Kirsten Barron kept McKendry's season alive and eliminated the Michigan Wolverines with her overtime winner in other women's one action Miami they defeated ASU sent the Sun Devils packing poor Sun Devils though we shared a hotel with them they weren't packing anytime soon though because they were booked for the whole trip eliminated on day two they were stuck in the hotel for a week in Marlboro which is Probably not the best thing to be doing, especially when the warm weather in Arizona right now. I want to give a shout out though, Sam Spate. He put on an absolute show against Calvin. Another highlight real goal from the Adrian Bulldog. They defeated Calvin 8-1 on rink one. The shoe fit for Cinderella. Northeastern defeated Navy in overtime with four seconds remaining in the overtime period. The Huskies moved to 2-0 and in pool play. They were kind of the... The highlight of women's two pool play was their story and, and the upsets they kept pulling off. In men's division two, we had a barn burner between Montana and UNH. Montana came out on top six to four. UNH was a team that I picked to do very well in nationals, and they uh they didn't really they didn't really come out with much. And, and Montana handed them a loss on opening night. UMass avenged their loss in last year's national tournament to Dakota College Botno by handing the Jacks a three-two loss. And then freshman forward Luke Reeves' goal proved to be the difference as Ohio defeated Illinois State one nothing. Herm, you must have been on your toes for this one. I think the Bobcats thought this was going to be a much less close game than it was. I was sweating the whole way through. It was terrifying, absolutely terrifying to watch that game, especially that early in playoffs. It was brutal. Huge day for the four seeds, though, in men's two pool play. Indiana shocked the world. They defeat Lindenwood 2-1 to one in the opening match, and that was kind of all we heard from Lindenwood for the rest of the tournament. The Hoosiers put the nail in the coffin early for them. Iowa defeated Liberty 3-2. to two. Very rarely in a tournament do you see a team get eliminated before they step on the ice for game two of pool play. And that's exactly what happened to the flames because by the time they stepped on the ice, Iowa was already two and zero. they had one in the morning. So tough for the flames. I know they debuted those new jerseys too. And uh, Iowa spoiled the party and kind of theme there, Indiana and Iowa spoiling the party and then making deep runs in the tournament. Do we want to talk about the four photographers that we saw during that Iowa Liberty game up on the staircase? Cause that was hilarious. What just everybody on the stairs. As we watched, it was like a tennis match. All four of these photographers all following the play, specifically for Liberty. It was just the wildest thing to see how many people they bring to Nationals. 
We also got our first chance at watching Minot State's Division One men's team play, and they showed that they were the real deal right away. They defeated Dearborn eight nothing, and I mean, just the pace of play that they brought was was fascinating to watch. And you got the the idea right away that they were the top seed heading into day nine of action. Who wants more hockey? March eighteenth, it's the final day of pool play for women's two and men's three. Earlier in the morning, Liberty took care of Pitt with a seven two win. This was a very very odd game at one point liberty was up five to one Pitt was out shooting the flames 18 to eight the panthers just couldn't get anything going they had to make a goalie change early in the first period you kind of had the feeling liberty was going to run away with this one but for the longest time Pitt was playing really good hockey and collins Herm. i know we were kind of just watching this game like oh jesus i mean the scoreboard makes it look like the game is, is a lot closer than it is but it was just a tough one for Pitt that day Really cool game between Jamestown and Niagara. I know, Herm, you were on the Niagara bench for the end of this one. Collins got an unbelievable shot that's doing numbers on social media, but Brad Forden walks it off in overtime. He's the hero, and the Jimmys beat Niagara 2-1. to one. Herm, during this game, I didn't really get to catch much of it, but, I mean, a, a real nail-biter. It could have gone either way. Truly, there were so many opportunities where it felt like Niagara was right on the doorstep. Tom coached an incredible, incredible game. Uh, I was really jonesing for that purple eagle win that's where i was on the bench for that reason but ultimately it didn't come to fruition yeah i was talking to some of the jamestown guys beforehand bo cornell guest of the show was talking to him and some of his, his guys on the team and they went on a trip to boston and there was three or four of them who stuck behind on their off day to uh you know come talk and i, I was like hey how come you guys didn't go to boston the response i got from one of the guys is I didn't come to Boston to go sightseeing. I came to win a national championship. And so when they won their first game, I was like, good on those guys. You know, they came to play. And I was talking to my buddy, Tyler Hart, who who plays on Niagara. And he was joking that the guys from uh, Ontario on the team were excited to go see Boston. You know, he's from Grafton, which is right near Marlboro. He grew up playing at some of these rinks. And he's like, we're not going to Boston. Like, I hope you guys know that the rink isn't like underneath skyscrapers. It was a funny interaction. But yeah, I, I do know a lot of teams took advantage of the off days and, and went sightseeing in Boston, only about 40 minutes away from the rinks in Marlboro. Really good game between Miami and Liberty in women's division one action. The first game we saw Liberty women play, Miami had them on the ropes. This game looked like it was going to overtime late in the third period. Maya Gonzalez was standing on her head, facing 62 shots. It's an incredible effort, and unfortunately, Miami team just ran out of gas in the third period, and, and Liberty pulled away from this one. Hand on my heart, I called that game being tied, and Murph can Murph can attest this because do, do you want do you want to tell it from your perspective? Because it felt so surreal for me. So we're, we just had walked in from rink one. We're behind the net on rink two, and Herm saying like, "I think Miami's going to score. Like, I should go on the bench." And I was kind of like, well, hey, like they're down two to one. If they score, maybe then go on the bench. But like, like, I don't want us to be a distraction to them if they're about to score. And Herm goes, I really think they're going to score. And bef- he couldn't even get the word score out of his mouth. The Red Hawks scored and, and it was unbelievable. And of course, he sprints around by the Zamboni doors to hop on the bench now. And the girls on Miami were so psyched to see the hockey house hoodie behind the bench. I mean, from what from what Alex had to say, I think you might have been the reason they lost. <laughs> I mean, they got so distracted by the camera from from what you were telling us. They they wanted you to take pictures of them and, and all that stuff. But I don't know. We're, we're, what, what are your thoughts? 
I like to think that I mush it either way because I try to stand behind the goalie where I think the goal is going to be scored. And then, of course, the goal is on the other side of the ice. So we were running back and forth trying to predict where the next goal is happening. Joe was at this game, too, getting all the footage. And uh, I really thought we were we were going to see the champs go down. And no one's been able to knock them off in the postseason in a very, very long time. And Miami came close thanks to the effort by Maya Gonzalez, but came up short. And to end the long day, we went a little McDonald's drive through and uh, we're hoping to get the restaurant experience dining in and unfortunately that was closed uh so we had to rip the drive-thru and sure enough behind us in the drive-thru we got half the arkansas hockey team staying at the hotel next door uh going through the drive-thru on foot and uh you know classic hockey tournament stuff late night mcdonald's and always always good to see the boys out and about and you know they had just been eliminated too on the, on the final day of pool play nothing nothing like a shamrock shake to to end a good day of hockey a good day of hockey was followed by an even better day of hockey. I think this was the craziest day we saw across the 12 days of hockey. The final day of pool play for men's division two ACHA started off with what we thought was going to be the best game of the day. And I think it didn't really even come close to being the best game on the docket. We had saints versus sinners, UNLV versus Liberty 10 AM start time. DJ Schwanky seals it with an empty netter. And Liberty gets the last laugh over UNLV. Long story short, we almost got hacked by DJ Schwanky's Instagram account uh, before the game. Did run into some technical difficulties. We got it all worked out. Hopefully DJ got that figured out. But he sent the Flames to the semifinals. They get a lot of hate across the league. But talking to the Liberty people, they were so pumped. The ultimate goal for them is a national championship down the road. But that was a really big win for their program to put themselves in the national semifinal. That was just the appetizer for the day. Because heading on over to Women's Division 2 action, semifinals, Assiniboine, the back-to-back defending champs. They're taking on Northeastern. Northeastern was up 1-0 for the longest time in this game. Assiniboine ties it up late in the third to go to overtime. They play one overtime. Nobody scores. Maybe two or three shifts into the second overtime. Nasty toe drag, shot on goal, rebound hammered home by the Huskies, and down goes Assiniboine. Uh, The call was amazing. Uh, the Huskies will have a chance to win the title on home soil. Awesome job by the hockey TV crew. Just the Cinderella run that the Huskies were on. It, it, they came out of nowhere, a four seed in the tournament, knocking off the reigning champs. They put a, a lot of, of time and energy into their program. You know, They travel all the way from Manitoba to come play in the ACHA tournament. Uh, they got the team bus. They had the whole media staff team. They must have had three SIDs there. Just the, the girls from Northeastern who looked like a Massachusetts high school all-star team with the helmets and pants pulled off the upset in overtime and they kept on dancing in the tournament. Then we go back to rank one. Haley Beaver shuts out Midland and Minot State wins one to nothing. That is then followed up by the Adrian women's team up four to one on Liberty in the second period. What does Liberty do? They were on the ropes last night against Miami. They score one before the end of the second period. And we talked about it afterwards. To score one at the end of the second period was huge. Now you're only down by two in the third. They scored two in the third to tie it, three rolls in a row, and they eventually won it in overtime. Again, they were on the ropes. Incredible, incredible effort by the Adrian College Bulldogs women's team. Uh, They played a fantastic tournament. I think they just ran out of, ran out of gas against the Liberty team that might have had fresher legs because it was only their second game of the tournament. An incredible finish, and it was kind of like there's all this talk about you know Liberty. What do they? They should go NCAA. Like they've won too many championships. Like they're too good. And to see two teams put them on the ropes in, in some very good hockey games uh, made it really fun to watch. And 
Herm, I got I got to throw it over to you for this one because I was watching this from the Twitter updates. We're over on Rink One. It's Ohio versus Jamestown. Jamestown has the lead late in the game. I walk into Rink One as Zombie Nation is blaring. The ref is emphatically waving off the goal. You look up at the clock. There's 0.1 seconds left, and I, I'm talking to the guys. I can't remember what team was up next. Oh, it was, it was Indiana Tech and Minot guys. I'm talking to them. I'm like, what happened? They just scored, but they call it for goal interference. They go, it's it's definitely going to be a goal. It's definitely going to be a goal. And uh, Herm, I'll, I'll turn it over to you because you had a front row seat for this whole thing. That was one of the most stressful, not just hockey experiences, but life experiences. Watching that game go down to the wire in the way that it did. The Bobcats being so, so close yet so, so far. With the way that rank one works, you can't really shoot from the corners effectively because the glass is so scuffed, so you've got to shoot from down in the bleachers. And I've positioned myself in such a way that I am hoping to try and capture this last-second Ohio goal. And the clock is ticking down, and it's under 10 seconds, and it's under 5 seconds, and there's this scramble in front, and I've got my eye in my viewfinder, and I see the Ohio guys throw their arms up and in that moment my focus shifted from getting the shot to the four years I spent with the program and I blacked out for a, a little bit in that moment of I did not get that shot of them them raising their arms because immediately I saw the refs waving it off and I got photos of that a couple of seconds later it was surreal to sit and wait as those refs skated off the ice for the video review that three minutes that felt like 30 for them to come back on the ice and signal a good goal and to see those guys just freak out pure insanity it was insane to watch and sure enough game goes to overtime and who else sam turner shot from the point finds its way to the back of the net and the bobcat faithful goes wild on rink one we weren't done yet though Sioux College takes care of business. They defeat Dakota College Botno to clinch a spot in the Women's Division II National Championship game. Then we head over to the back rink. We're on rink seven. Needing a win to advance, you Mary pulls their goalie against St. Thomas in overtime. Now, we've talked about this earlier on the episode. In pool play, sometimes there's tiebreakers where a, if a game ends in a tie, one team advances, the other team does not. You Mary beat kentucky three to one st thomas beat kentucky three to nothing kentucky's one goal against you mary was the difference maker the marauders pull their goalie late in overtime kyle hayden heads to the bench and sure enough st thomas fires the puck the length of the ice and uh it, it heads into the back of the net to see the scratches on st thomas throw their hands in the air behind the net the dog pile in front of the tommy bench it was just a wild wild scene it's a shame that that's how the the defending champs had to go out to see the celebration from the guys from st thomas was unbelievable and i know i know they were firing off the hockey house chirps at herm i was at the doors as they were coming off the ice and i took more than a couple of chirps from the scratches and a couple of the guys that had played in the game they showed me and it it was surreal to see this their motivational quote board of everyone who had written them off up to that point and just hyped up you, Mary. My prediction of saying nobody's going to stop you, Mary, was on that board. And I apologized. 
and they accepted that apology ultimately. It was insane to see the reach that sometimes our predictions have, but how much they took that as, as motivation to get out there and get the job done. Yeah, I know there was a couple other teams. We mentioned Binghamton, the Liberty women's team mentioned it too. Any other teams, if you got bulletin board material, we'd love to see some photos of it too, because uh, it's cool for us to see how far our reach is, but don't go home yet. In men's vision one action, Indiana Tech looking to play spoiler. They send the game to overtime against number one Minot State. The whole hockey world is like, wait a second, Minot State is in overtime against Indiana Tech. And I, I've been riding with Indiana Tech. I think they got a bad deal. They played UCO last year in Nationals. They lost in overtime in that one. That game could have gone either way. UCO goes all the way to the final. This time around, they were hanging in there and the Indiana Tech fans were going crazy at the end of regulation, and this was going to be a a dogfight in overtime, a heck of a hockey game, and a heck of an effort by Indiana Tech. But ultimately, it was Troy Hamilton who sent the Beaver fans home happy with his overtime winner. This was just an awesome game from start to finish, and Indiana Tech has a lot to be proud of. I think they've made some great strides as a program, and they are one of the tougher teams to play against in the country. So I hope they can do some more travel outside the WAC moving forward because a heck of an effort by those boys. Then we head back to rink seven and uh, we're at the hotel at this point because uh, it, it was a long day and we're watching as Florida Gulf Coast defeats UMass in overtime, but Florida Gulf Coast needed to win by two in order to advance. UMass had had ended that late in the game. The game eventually goes to overtime. It wasn't much celebration for the Florida Gulf Coast guys because they, they knew what was at hand. Only in pool play will you see something like that happen. So that brings us to the second to last day of the tournament. We get semifinal actions on the men's sides of the bracket. The ladies go to the national championship games. We started off in women's division two, and the Sioux are so freaking good. They shut down Northeastern Cinderella run right away. Just an unbelievable performance from those ladies start to finish in the tournament. Huge supporters of the podcast, so we love covering them but hats off to both teams on, on a really good tournament you want to know how good of a tournament it was at the end of the 6-1 victory for Sioux College they did their championship celebration they took photos with the fans and then they went to the locker room to celebrate well the ACHA had to kick the Northeastern team off the ice because they were having so much fun on the ice, enjoying the last few moments of the season. It was really good to see. They were the runner-ups. They were chanting USA because I guess they finished first place. They were the first American team in the division. It was really cool to see. Talking with the ACHA Women's Division Two commissioner, she's like, I- I've never seen that before. It really showed, you know, they weren't expected to be there playing in the national championship game, and they celebrated the moment too. And, you know, they took their team photo as well, which was really awesome to see hats off to both teams for a heck of a tournament moving on to the division one women's national championship game liberty going for their fifth title in a row and they would not be stopped they defeated minot state three to one and continue their unprecedented run in women's division one acha after scoring just five goals in the regular season maddie glenn was the hero scoring three in the national championship game for a natural hat trick, earning herself most valuable player, put on an absolute show. It was awesome seeing rink one littered with hats on the ice. Had to have been at least a dozen hats uh, on the ice, which was great to see. The fact that there was so many people criticizing them and, you know, what I don't know, find a new division. Maybe they go varsity. There's got to be someone's got to beat them. And they came so close to being defeated and then they just would not be denied in that national championship game. Minot had the lead. And it didn't last long. Three unanswered by the Flames, and they win it three to one. And um, it wouldn't be the first time that Minot State defeated Liberty that day. In men's division one action, the Beavers extinguished the Flames. Liberty led two to one late in the third period, but Minot tied it up with 356 to play. 
and won it in overtime for the second night in a row. This time, it was a game winner off the stick of a one-timer from Joey Moffat, who sent the Beavers back to the national championship game. Earlier in the day, Adrian and Ohio faced off. And Herm, this was just a wild game for the Bulldogs and Bobcats. It looked like it was getting out of hand and Adrian had a really big lead. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, here come the Bobcats. And they made it interesting, right? Yeah, it was unfortunately just a little bit of a case of too little too late. The Bobcats had a valiant effort at the end, but just fell short. Awfully reminiscent of the previous season in St. Louis, just with the scoreline that got put up. I'd say different results on the ice. And then on the Division Two side of things, St. Thomas off of the high from defeating Mary Couldn't handle UMass. UMass defeats the Tommies to clinch a spot in the national championship game. And then we had a marathon game between Iowa and Indiana. Iowa, the battle of, of two number four seeds facing off in the semifinals, and it was Iowa keeping the Cinderella run alive, defeating Indiana in overtime. I was traveling back to Syracuse when this game was going on. Collins, you reverse jinxed it on Twitter. Watching the game from your perspective, it sounded like the Iowa goalie was standing on his head in overtime and that Indiana had most of the control in this one. Yeah, it definitely looked like Iowa had the momentum in that game. I was so happy, though, that that I reverse jinxed them. I really wanted to go to bed. I was so tired after, after getting back from Nationals. They looked absolutely incredible over Indiana. So it, it did kind of go back and forth a lot, though. You you weren't quite sure who was uh, who was going to win there. And then in Division Three action, we had some semifinals. Didn't really catch much of this action because of, of the women's championships going on next door in rink one. Michigan took care of business against Grand Valley State. Two to one. Wasn't much celebration from the Wolverines after this one. I remember seeing them come off the ice. They were a team on the mission job was not finished yet and they knew what was around the corner and that was because hope college went on to defeat lawrence tech by a score of four to nothing and we got an all michigan final the final day of the tournament last one out turn the lights off kicking things off with the men's division three final it's michigan against hope college and it's been the same story year after year 2019 michigan made it to the final four in division three in 2020 they came back as the number one seed no tournament in 2021 there was talk of not even doing a men's three tournament and they got together said no we want to do this they had the tournament in michigan they lost in the final four to hope 2022 in st louis They make it to the final. Who do they face? Hope College. The Flying Dutchman get it done. 2023 National Championship game on the line. Who do they have to go up against? Hope College. And the Wolverines took care of business, defeating Hope 5-3. to three. I want to say Michigan controlled this game for a really long time, but kind of like the Tampa and Binghamton game, a really late push from Hope made this one very interesting. And there was plenty of time left when Hope made it 5-3, to three, but... The Wolverines were were able to lock it down in the third period. Tough for us watching from home. The Michigan dads were very pumped up every time they scored, and it was tough to get a, a good view of some of the celebrations. Herm being there, I know I know we, we've got a great relationship with the guys at Hope. Their players and fans have been great to us at the national tournaments, but what was the emotion like from the Michigan guys when they finally got the job done? Uh, indescribable. That locker room to hear them to hear them chanting and singing along together was was surreal just to be in that corner and to hear them going off for it's great to be a Michigan Wolverine just sent chills down my spine in the locker room. Hope College was going for their third consecutive national title. They come up a bit short. The only team to do so in men's division three ACHA remains the Adrian College Bulldogs. They did so in 2012, 2013 and 2014. 
Moving on to the men's two national championship in the ACHA, the UMass Minutemen taking on the Cinderella story, Iowa Hawkeyes. And I felt like maybe Iowa was just a little, a little tired from the night before the marathon that they went through. UMass looked a little bit faster, a step ahead of them. They were practically playing on home ice. Herm, talk about the crowd. Cause I think from our angle on the live stream, we couldn't quite see how many UMass supporters there really were in that lower bowl, especially on the left-hand side in that corner, the photos, the videos, it looked amazing. It really looked like a home game for UMass. Murph, you're right, 100%. If you take a look at those photos, you will see the scope of the student section. And they were loud, they were boisterous the whole night. I believe it was the fourth goal where one of the players, I'm totally blanking on the name, skated almost the full length of the ice, pulling his UMass logo on the jersey and jumping into the crowd. It was one of those peak Massachusetts hockey moments right there. You've got all of these local kids willing to go out and support this level of hockey it was it was incredible to watch it from the other side of the ice Minutemen got it done like you mentioned that fourth goal with five minutes remaining sealed the deal for them and, and the party was on so many people are pumped up about this one and, and to see the Minutemen take it home home ice and a tournament which everybody really thought you Mary was going to win and to have you Mary go out on an empty netter in overtime to end pool play it was kind of like a breath of fresh air it was like oh this tournament is anyone's tournament now it's like and then you masked it to put away the Tommy and Indiana and Iowa battling out two four seeds on Cinderella runs was amazing to see. And that brought us to the final game of this marathon of, of club hockey. Day 12, the final game in Marlboro. Minot State defeats Adrian 1 0 in a rematch of the 2021 National Championship game. The Beavers win their first title since doing so in 2019 in Frisco. Herm, Collins and I are our team kind of snooze fest. I think we, we were hoping these two juggernauts going toe-to-toe we'd see maybe a 5-4 game a 6-4 you know 7-5 something at home where, where we'd have plenty of highlights but you said the action was just as good as a one nothing game yeah no I think the shot count on the website was deceptive because they might have been really off with it because I looked and what they counted as the shots were nowhere near what it felt like in reality I was on the Adrian bench for their five-minute power play, and that was one of the best sequences of hockey I've watched in a long time. I was just constantly impressed with the level of skill throughout that game. It was it was interesting to see kind of your guys' criticism afterwards because at least from my perspective, it was a, a really, really entertaining game to watch. I saw somebody talk about it. Uh, I think it was the Bussin' with the Boys guys on Barstool and, and Taylor Lewan. They were talking like, March Madness is great that first day, but then like once there's so few games, you want those few games to be very, very entertaining. You almost get spoiled in the first couple rounds. So I think it had just been such a really good tournament. Maybe Collins and I had, had two high of hopes for the last game but they don't ask how they ask how many and Minot State to play two overtime games and then win one nothing in the national championship game some nail biters for Beavers fans but at the end of the day the number one seed comes out on top it was a goal with two minutes remaining in the second period that sealed the deal for the Beavers and they hung on in that third period to bring home the national championship Collins I, I want to throw it over to you you had plenty of shout outs too and we'll, we'll kind of roll through the list but give you a, an opportunity to th- thank some people from the ACHA tournament everybody that you 
mention on your list. I also want to ditto that. But first, shout out to MS Films and Gabby Gibson. It was great to meet and uh, see some big names in the hockey social media world, taking the time to come out and uh, create some content with us. Just like the Tennessee boys, the Adrian boys absolutely loved the camera. It was electric to see on the bench. Uh, I think Herm said it best, you know, the type of team that's, uh, you know, like a lot of Brad Marchands. They're going to beat you and they're going to let you know about it. Shout out to Tyler LaFollette, the equipment and social media manager for Adrian. Absolute beauty. And then Murph. Shout out to you for letting me share a bed with you for four days. That was a bit rough, but uh, we made it work. Herm for letting me borrow uh, your lens for you know quite a long time. Uh, Margaret Dixon, Absolute Beauty, and then Shuey from Optimax for giving me uh, a ton of good insight and you know teaching me a lot about the the company. It was it was really good to learn. The whole staff at the ACHA was really great to us, especially Executive Director Craig Barnett. Paul Hebert was great. Rassy McGibbon, as always, is a character and just fun to be around. It was really cool to, to hang out with the Lawrence Tech boys. Um, I'm, I'm sure you guys saw the clips. They had quite the roster for their Division Three team. I think almost 40 guys on it. So, you know, where other teams might have the scratches doing shots and filling waters, they had scratches in the stands serving as the student section. And they loved to get the Hockey House pod chant going anytime we stepped into a rink. And it was really awesome to see that and very heartwarming um, for us. And it definitely makes it's easier to do what we do when, when we get that kind of support. So I, I really want to say thank you to them. But again, Craig Barnett, Paul Hebert, Rassie McGibbon, they were great to us all weekend long, and the hospitality was unmatched. Herm, I'll let you wrap wrap it up from, from Marlboro since you, you were the last one, last one in the rink. Oh, boy. I got a whole lot to go through here. So every single person in green and white from Ohio that I was just absolutely over the moon to see, whether that was players, parents, staff members, so, so many people. Sam Garcia, the Forkers, the Barbers, Mrs. Higgins, Mrs. Schmizzy, all of the guys that this this was my last direct connection to Ohio hockey from when I was a freshman or at, or at least a student there. And it was it was really, really special to see these guys and how far they had come along in their hockey careers and, and as men. And it grown. It was it was surreal, truly. Isis Good and Bailey Kasaki, two incredible trailblazing women in sports. Both of them didn't get the the national championships that they had wanted, but Bailey wrote back uh, in in sharing her favorite memory of the tournament of meeting you guys, my idols, which is beyond flattering and we really appreciate all the work you do our cmu guys devin sarah and joe lezier devin on the mic and joe behind the camera with us the whole weekend phenomenal max labou for taking a chance when i pitched him the idea softly of acha nationals he was like yeah i'm gonna book a hotel room and just come down for the weekend i was like okay man and he dove headfirst into all of that content and then some dominic stankovic because of his on ice play and then his off ice behind the lens prowess you're going to be an NHL photographer really soon. I hope you know. Margaret Dixon, office official for the ACHA, anthem singer extraordinaire, finger on the pulse of women's hockey within the ACHA, even as a an NCAA D3 player for Riviere, just a phenomenal individual. Robin Shutt and everyone from Hope, Robin specifically because she brought me Chipper, and Mackenzie Murphy, the whole thing, because you guys have no, no idea how much this man carried while I was busy 
on behind a camera and while Collins was busy behind a camera and while all of us were doing it, the work that he put in that I saw firsthand was unparalleled. And he, I know you're on the podcast listening to this right now, so I, I'm sure it's a little bit weird, but you deserve your flowers and then some for the incredible hard work and dedication that you put into this stretch over nationals. As a friend, as as a as a partner in all of this hockey house stuff, it was surreal to watch and and collaborate with you on. I appreciate the kind words. It was definitely tough to say goodbye on that second to last day, getting in the car and driving back to Syracuse. I, I kept, I don't know if I mentioned to you guys, but it felt like that that moment on the last day of school when you say goodbye to all your friends. And, you know, it's, it's tough because school isn't always that much fun. And we had a lot of fun during the stretch of hockey and it was a lot of hard work. So I was relieved that it was over, but at the same time, very sad that I wasn't spending another 12 days in the rink because we wish we could do this all year long. It was an unbelievable tournament and definitely, you know, some stuff that we'll remember for a lifetime. And so I figured now it would be a great time for us to kind of go around. Uh, my favorite memory was honestly just realizing how many people listen to this thing. What started as us in our dorm rooms and we added Herm, we, we brought on Collins and this whole operation has gotten a lot bigger than I think we ever thought it would. The testament of that was seeing how many people were using our stuff as bulletin board material or referencing things that we say on the show. That was unbelievable. But my honorable mention moment came when a Clemson mom asked Collins and I, if we were on the team because she saw us wearing hockey house hoodies, and she goes, "Oh, I thought I thought you guys were at Clemson because my son lives at the hockey house." And I, at that moment, was like, "Wow, we really we really hit the nail on the head with this name." She got a good a good kick when I when I mentioned that's why we call ourselves the hockey house. So moments like that make it really fun. It had a blast. And Glick, I'm curious from your perspective from the outside, seeing kind of all the the magic. I you get to see the group texts from behind the scenes, but you also get to see the stuff on social media what were, what were your favorite memories watching from the sidelines i mean there were so many great memories just following along back home but one that really stood out to me is just that you mary and saint tommy's game just the fact that you mary was such a powerhouse all year and it's been powerhouse for so many years in division two to have to you know and getting eliminated in overtime through an anti-net goal i mean that is just like you cannot make that up that is just such a crazy storyline just such a, a crazy moment for a team like that just to you know end their season in that way it really does suck for them but also i mean shout out for the tommies they did defeat one of the top teams in division two which is really really impressive collins you got to see a, a lot of it on the aau side and the acha side we're really thankful for your help uh you know closing thoughts favorite memory from the week it's hard to pick there there's been a bunch realizing how many people actually listened to it um was kind of wild like i remember i walked on the ice after bingo won and the first thing i hear is thanks for the bulletin board material because we all snubbed them and that, that was just absolutely awesome honorable mention uh somebody taking a picture with murph and i proceeding to tag lawson mcdonald from the hockey guys on <laughs> on our Instagram story was uh, absolutely hilarious. So, I mean, I think that's that's a testament to how well Murph is is running this thing that he's being mistaken for the biggest hockey uh, influencers, you know, in the country. Yeah, that was that was a that was a, a shot to the ego right there, but I mean, hockey house, hockey guys, same thing, you know. Same thing, different shape. Uh Herm, wrap wrap it up for us. You, you mentioned um, you know, kind of the similar thing, like once that that buzzer went off against Minot State and it's all kind of said and done, what, what are some takeaways from the week? There is nothing quite like being the last one on the ice. I, st I stuck around for a while after everything was said and done 
Collins had gone home, Murph had gone home, and uh, Joe Joe had gone home at that point. It was it was just me there in person, officially representing the hockey house. And I I, I shared the ice at that point with one other person. There's a really great photo if you go deep, very very deep in the Minot State. Uh, championship album uh, album on my Google Drive of Jake Anthony, where he's on the phone. Uh, I, th- I think FaceTime with someone, a family member, and it's just him. And you can just see the scope of him, or I should say the scale of him versus everything else on the ice. And it just... It was a, a moment of true tranquility, serenity, and reflection after all of the work that we had put into such a really incredible tournament. Just the the culmination of all of that to say we did this. Yeah, it, it was really fun. And it's a shame that we're doing so much of the content because it would be really cool if, if we had somebody following us the whole week to show the ins and outs. But I hope everyone enjoyed listening to this and, and getting some insight on, on kind of what we went through. No no time to pick up the pucks this week because the Zamboni's coming out. We're running out of time here on Zencaster. But the, the hard work is worth it. Like we mentioned, seeing everybody at Nationals and the support not only from the players, but the fans, and first of all, the administrators from around the league, the coaches, guys from ACHA, guys from AAU College Hockey, everybody coming together and doing this for the greater good of growing the game of college hockey here in the United States. And it's been a really fun journey, and we're sad the season's over, but plenty of off-season content coming your way. We've got interviews lined up with some of the members of these teams that brought home national championships, and we'll continue it throughout the off-season and bring you right into September. From all of us here at the Hockey House, we thank you so, so very much for following along this season and we hope you continue to do so throughout the summer see you boys see you boys good boys